Hey friends, Jason Miller here. This is another episode of the South Bend City Church podcast. It's another teaching episode, although it's different in one particular way, which is the teaching that is on this episode actually comes from a brand new teaching film that we're releasing at the same time. And going forward during COVID, while our gatherings are suspended, uh, I'm really excited that we're going to be able to offer uh, teaching films each week. So if the listening on the podcast works for you, that's great. Keep at it. But if you'd rather watch, uh, there's a link in the episode notes for this episode, and you can follow that link to Vimeo where you can actually watch uh, this teaching on, on the screen. Um, we, we really hope that it's, it's just a way to be um, even more encouraging to you while we can't be together in person. Uh, this uh, episode also kicks off a brand new series on the book of Philippians, which I, th- I think is going to be a, a really, really powerful, meaningful thing for us to meditate on together as a community. It's, um, it's sort of bite-sized and accessible. The whole book is just four chapters. You could read it in like 15 minutes while you drink your morning coffee uh, or at the end of the day. And we're going to spend some time in that text, not just this week, but over the next several weeks. And I hope that you'll take advantage of that. Um, another way that we are trying to step up our game right now during COVID is something that we are able to offer thanks to the generosity of people who have given to our care fund and our partnership with a group called Onsite. So Onsite uh, operates in Tennessee, and Onsite is a place that you can go to that focuses on personal growth and emotional wellness. And actually, uh, a couple of members of our own Sapin City Church family have been a part of the workshops they offer Onsite at Onsite down in Tennessee. Um, however, uh, during this season, they are offering an online 30-day emotional wellness program called Living Centered. And ordinarily, the program costs about $300. But again, thanks to our partnership with Onsite and the generosity of our donors, um, up to 75 people who are a part of South Bend City Church can actually uh, go and um, access that 30-day program for just $99, which is an incredible deal. And I know that for a lot of us during COVID, um, a lot of our sort of emotional shadows have come up and we've been dealing with some stuff perhaps that's come to the surface. And this is just a really fantastic tool that's going to help us work that out. And uh, even if possible, if you'd like to do it in community, uh, maybe bring, bring some friends along and process that together. So anyway, a couple of things that we're really excited about uh, there, which are the, the video teaching going forward and the on-site opportunity that you can access online. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, we have this teaching, which is an invitation to um, bring all of the questions and difficulties of COVID to the table, but then to let this text in Philippians uh, pastor us and open us up to the possibility of God that is lurking right here in the middle of everything going on. Uh, so I hope you uh, enjoy this and feel like it serves you really well. Uh, if you go check out the film, I hope that serves you really well. And uh, we will be together when the time is right. But in the meantime, friends, uh, here's this. A few weeks ago, I had my worst COVID days so far. Uh, those days weren't the days when something happened exactly. It's just that I woke up for about 48 hours there. And it, like the lift of life during COVID, like the heavy lifting emotionally, spiritually, mentally, it just it, like it felt like I, I couldn't make the lift for a couple of days. I'd wake up in the morning and it's like, Everything that's been sort of hard about COVID life was all stacked on top of itself, weighing heavy on me, and I really felt it. Uh, Maybe you've had some of those days during COVID. Maybe all of COVID has been that way for you. Or frankly, maybe that's the way you experience a lot of life, having nothing to do with COVID or just the last few months. 
I know for me, like in that couple of days when I was feeling that, there were some temptations that bubbled up, a different uh, ways of responding to that feeling. And maybe you can relate to this. One temptation is the sort of toxic optimism. Like, I'm just going to will my way through this, right? I'm going to ignore what I'm feeling. I'm going to overpower everything going on. And I'm just going to somehow find a way to, like, have the best attitude and make the most of this and get a bunch of stuff done. And, like, I'm going to come out of COVID with a book written and a new hobby learned and six-pack abs. Like, maybe, maybe you've had that desire to kind of just overpower the COVID experience. But I think the problem with that is it's actually just a way of ignoring a bunch of the truth of what's going on inside us. And that's why you could call it toxic. I'm not against optimism, but when it becomes a way of ignoring the truth of what we are experiencing, I don't think it's good. Fortunately, on those couple of days, I didn't really have the energy for that approach or that response. Uh, there's another way that I can, I can feel myself interacting with this difficult experience, which is a kind of nihilism. And this is where you, you, you resign yourself to the idea that, that, that this is what's really uh, true about reality in our lives, that um, it's just crap. It's like, yeah, there's days when you think things are good or beautiful or that our lives have all this meaning, but that's just an illusion or a mirage. And when you get close enough to it or when the curtain gets pulled back or when we see things the way they really are, it's just like there's not much there. And I don't know about you, but I've had temptations toward that way of, of thinking and, and seeing the world during some of this. Uh, another temptation um, is to just escape. And the escapism can take a bunch of different forms, and some of them are more destructive than others. Um, escapism could be just like the Netflix binge, right? And I'm not saying there's something wrong with binging some high-quality entertainment or not-quality entertainment, whatever you have. But there is something that happens when you realize that you're hitting play or you're opening the app or you're turning on the TV again and again because it's easier than facing the things that we're feeling through the day. And that same escapism that takes some of us to Netflix takes some of us to abusing substances or, um, or trying to deaden the life or the feelings that we have in other ways. And then things can get pretty bad, uh, pretty dark, pretty destructive. Uh, by the way, there's also people who find a way of channeling their escapism toward productivity and the to-do list. And even that can be a way of ignoring or avoiding what can be difficult about all of this. So I've been, I've been feeling um, this difficulty in thinking about the, um, the ways that we build lives that hopefully tell us who we are and that we're gonna be okay. And that some of that scaffolding that we surround ourselves with can be taken away from us in moments like this and leave us wondering what are we all about what are our lives actually a part of? Uh, where does meaning come from? And as I've been wrestling with all of that, I've been thinking about a text in the Bible that uh, seems like it could speak to us right now. And the reason that I think this text could speak to us is because uh, it's actually a text that's saturated with the longing that comes from distance between people who want to be together. It's also a text uh, that faces uh, the kinds of circumstances that nobody would probably ask for but that finds a way of being rooted in something deeper and more enduring than the circumstances that are happening around us. And so, uh, starting with, with this film and over the next several weeks, I thought I would just invite us to take this text seriously, uh, to let it be a focus of our meditation and a filter through which we consider the things that we're going through right now. Now, the text is uh, the book of Philippians. It's a little letter in the New Testament. It's just four chapters long. It's actually really easy to read through. It just takes like 15, maybe 20 minutes to read the whole thing. And uh, that's what I want to invite us into. But I know that when I talk about Bible and suggest that we should really get our hands on these texts, 
that in our community, there's a bunch of different relationships to this book. Like some love this book. Some, when you open its pages, you feel a deep sense of connection to God. You feel like the mystery is a little closer in a really beautiful way. Others have a profound feeling of love when they encounter many of the words in this text. Others feel that it provides a really clarion vision for your life. And if you get a little muddy or unclear, I know people who they open the pages of this book and it's like they're seized with fresh moral clarity or a vision. But then there's a bunch of other experiences people have had. Like, like maybe you're a person uh, who's felt the way that people can use the, the words in this book to hurt you or exclude you or abuse you. Or maybe you grew up in a setting where the expectation was that, that you would interact with this book as a way of proving yourself. So some kind of pattern or practice was a way of demonstrating like your piety or making sure God be happy with you or making sure the people who claim to represent God are happy with you. And I get that that, that can stack up a bunch of different um, layers of resistance between us and this text. But I, I don't want to give in to that resistance uh, because for like thousands of years, all kinds of people in all kinds of circumstances around the world have found that this text and others like it have a way of opening up new possibilities for us and calling us back to what it means to be human, especially when things are hard. And so, um, so I want to invite us for the next several weeks to move through this text and to let it uh, pastor us and speak to us uh, especially during this strange COVID experience that we're having. Uh, today, I just want to take us into the first few bits of this letter and see if uh, we can't draw out a little bit of uh, meaning or connection for what we're going through right now. So uh, the book is Philippians, uh, and I'm in chapter 1, right at the beginning. And uh, verses 1 through 11, they've got a greeting, they've got a thanksgiving, and they've got a prayer. And I just want to help us hear those for a bit uh, with this film. So the greeting uh, starts out, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, Philippians is written to a house church in the city of Philippi. And I think even understanding how this church came to be can help us find some connection with this letter. So if you read the book of Acts chapter 16, you're going to find out that Paul has this strange bizarre sort of mystical dream or, or vision where a Macedonian man like calls him to the region of Macedonia to show up. And so they like they hit the road and they go to Macedonia and they find themselves in Philippi. And when they get there, they go um, to a place outside the city where people would go to pray, which is interesting. It's not a temple. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a synagogue. It doesn't seem that there's enough Jewish people in Philippi to have a whole synagogue. But there's this place that people go if they're looking to enact or experience some kind of connection with God or the divine. And Paul goes there, and when he gets there, he meets a woman named Lydia, who's a business owner. And Lydia, um, she seems to be a, a woman of uh, leadership and empowerment in the community. Uh, she's a business owner. She's the head of her own household. And she and Paul have this conversation. Uh, the text says that she's a worshiper of God, as if to say that she's already kind of dialed into the mystery. She's already kind of tuned in. But then Paul brings to her the story of how he understands the mystery of God and the encounter that he's had with God in Christ, which is um, an interesting story, uh, maybe for another time. But anyway, Lydia's interested in this, and so they uh, sort of go on together to her, her household, where Paul's going to be able to share this with all the people that are part of her household. Along the way, they meet a slave girl. This is a, a girl who has owners, um, which just reeks of the kind of injustice uh, that breaks your heart. But this girl has owners, and the reason these people are interested in owning her is that she's a profit source for them. 
The text says that she has a, a, a demon or a possession that gives her the power to tell fortunes. And so people would come along and, and pay to have their fortune told. But Paul, these guys, they see the slave girl, and long story short, they affect her liberation from this arrangement. Now, the owners of this girl who have just lost their stream of income are pretty upset about this. And so they have the guys thrown in prison, where during the night, even though they've been thrown in prison, even though they're far from home, even though there's a threat against them because of what they've done to liberate this girl, it seems that none of that really matters for their sense of wonder or divine connection. Because in the middle of the night, they're singing songs about God. And the earth shakes and the gates of their jail cells open. And the jailer who works for the Romans, he's one of the Romans, he grabs his sword to take his own life because the Romans don't take too kindly to a soldier who loses his prisoners. But when Paul and the others see this man about to take his own life, they stop him and they say, hey, we're still here. Even though the gates have opened, we're not going to walk out because we don't want a liberation for us that would be the death of you. And so they stay there in the cell, and then this jailer has this profound sort of awakening himself and becomes a part of the movement that's happening there. So this is the birth of the church at Philippi. You've got uh, the woman Lydia, the business owner, the household leader, who has this sort of intuitive sense of God that she's a, a worshiper. And, and she then hears what Paul is saying and says, this puts some pieces together on what I've been feeling all along. She's going to bring her whole household into it. And then a slave girl is liberated. And then a, a jailer discovers um, a bizarre kind of mercy or kindness from these people that he has imprisoned. And a church is birthed out of this experience. And this letter of Philippians is written to that church. Now, Paul is in jail at the time that he's writing this letter. He's in jail someplace else. And so, like I said, this letter is like saturated with a sense of affection and tragic distance like he wishes he could be with them in person. And I know, um, I think this is a lot of our experience, but I'll also say as a pastor, I feel this in spades right now, especially on Sundays. Uh, like my heart aches for the sense of connection and togetherness that we enjoy that we don't get to have in person right now. Uh, so I think that's another reason this letter really resonates with me. So, uh, so Paul writes the letter, he gives the greeting. Um, he uses these big powerful words that we often use in our gatherings, grace, and peace. And then he moves into a thanksgiving. And uh, listen to what he says. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, let's work just that much out for a moment here because there's some big important words going on. So he talks about the gospel. Now, I don't know how much um, that word means to you. I don't know what you think when you hear. I don't know if you've been around Christians that talk about it a lot, but a lot of people put a lot of stock on this word, a lot of stock in this word gospel uh, and what it means for like the project that we're all a part of, right? Now, um, for some, when you hear the word gospel, you might especially think of a sort of divine transaction or some kind of like payment gets made or some kind of mercy gets bought for you. And I'm not saying that's all um, wrong, but I, I do know that like in the New Testament, uh, if you want to figure out what we mean by gospel, you should probably start with the gospel according to Matthew and the gospel according to Mark and the gospel according to Luke and the gospel according to John. And in those gospels, uh, we see and we hear the story of Jesus. And um, there's a lot of good news wrapped up in that. Like in Matthew 4, uh, the gospel says that Jesus went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And then the next sentence says that he healed a bunch of people. 
So when you hear the word gospel, um, if what comes to mind immediately is some kind of like payment or transaction, and it has a lot to do with like getting you out of punishment, like I would just encourage you, like widen your view, because the Bible has a lot of other things to say about this word too. And if you widen your view, you might discover that it's talking about the rampant availability of God in your life and mine, which seems to be why these healings are so important in Matthew 4, because Jesus is going around saying, God is available in your life right now, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of who you are or what you've done, regardless if people have told you that you are eligible or not, it doesn't matter. God is available, God's generous, and God wants to give God's life to you right now. And then he does a bunch of healing, which is a way of saying even these people, maybe with your sickness or your woundedness, you felt like you were on the outside looking in, but it's not true. You're, you're, you're in on this because every life is eligible for the availability of God. Uh, that seems to be the heartbeat behind this. And Paul seems to be seized by it. And like, like, like it's compelling him to run around the ancient world telling people this good news. And in this letter of the Philippians, he said, we have a kind of partnership in this. And when I read that, I can't help but think about uh, what we have experienced uh, as a family, as a church, uh, even in the last few years that we've just sort of become what we are at South End City Church, right? Uh, in, in this season, I think about our partnership. And I think about all the ways that even while we're not together in person, we've been able to keep living up to and living out this discovery that we are experiencing in our own midst, which is that God is available and that every life is eligible, and that at the baseline of everything, it's not emptiness or despair, but it's goodness and truth and beauty that we're all being invited into. I think about um, some of the things that have happened in our church life together over the last few weeks and months. Uh, you may not know this, we have people in our church who are on the front lines of advocating for the well-being of people who are in prison during COVID, uh, because uh, jails in particular can be uh, a dangerous place for people with COVID. And um, often the people in jail, their voices aren't heard very loudly. And so some of us who have voices that are heard might need to be the ones that show up and advocate for just humane treatment to say that like, if there's a risk factor of, uh, of health related to who's in jail and what COVID's doing, we should be there caring about that, right? That's partnership in this good news about the eligibility of God for everyone. Um, even our brothers and sisters behind bars. Uh, a little while ago, we got an email from several people. Um, different people reached out to the church because uh, they received stimulus checks and they just said, I don't actually need this money. I bet somebody else does. And they asked us if we could help connect people who had stimulus money to give and people who had need. And so around our church, there are some stories of the stimulus checks showing up um, like an extra one for people who needed it the most. That's actually partnership in the gospel. That's actually us all in this together as we discover that uh, we are all a part of the, the goodness of God that's drawing us out of our different corners uh, to the center where we find one another in this life. Now the text doesn't just talk about um, partnership and gospel, it's got some other big and important words here, uh, like carrying this project onto completion. Uh, it's one of the most hopeful phrases I hear in the scripture when Paul says, I'm confident that this project that has begun in your midst is going to keep going. As if to say like who we are becoming in God is not going to stop. Like healing isn't going to stop. Growing isn't going to stop. 
Um, there are so many days when it feels like the odds are stacked against uh, my evolution. I don't know about you. There are so many days when it feels like the odds are stacked against my growth or my healing. But against all those odds, Paul speaks with this deep conviction that he believes God will keep this story going uh, in your life and, and my life and in our life together. And I suspect those things we've just talked about, about gospel, about the availability of God, about the outsiders being brought in, um, about this thing persisting and enduring, I suspect that's why Paul uses the word joy in this prayer of thanksgiving and why he uses it again and again and again in this text. Like some people call the letter to the Philippians a letter about joy. And a lot of people like to talk about joy or preach about joy um, and have different definitions of joy and try to figure out where joy comes from. And I don't have all the answers on that, but what I can tell in this moment is that Paul actually believes that, that the goodness of God is made available for everyone. Everybody's eligible and, and he's in on it with these people and he's seen what they are becoming because of that and it gives them joy. And for me, uh, on my dark days, especially during COVID, um, I'm learning that a really fruitful turn is to think about where we've come from and what we are becoming together. And if I have eyes to see it, uh, I see that there's a lot to be joyful about. Now, uh, he goes on uh, to talk a little more about um, the ways that we see. So hang with me for a moment, all right? Uh, he continues his thanksgiving first of all. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I've had you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains and, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And then he moves to this prayer. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, hold on to a couple of these big ideas. So he turns from thanksgiving to prayer and he prays that love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Well, this is important too, because I think especially during things like COVID, it's tempting to think that the truest way to see things is through the lens of cynicism. And there's lots to be cynical about right now. I mean, like government doesn't seem to be working very well right now. And the inequities in our society are being exacerbated right now, which is why COVID is just another case where we discover that we've created a world where some people suffer more than others. And so whether it's economic poverty or racial injustice, that stuff seems so baked into the world that we have built that COVID comes along and it just puts more pressure on some people who are already suffering the most. So you can see all of that and decide that cynicism is the truest way to see everything. Cynicism is the truest way to see your family, your friends, the people that you work with, or even your own life. But this text um, talks about growing in love and that love would be a way of seeing or knowing. And I think that's exactly right. That, that love is actually a way of knowing, that looking through the lens of love is a way of seeing that's actually truer than the kind of cynicism that sometimes seems so justified, especially when the world's like, falling apart. So he says, like, I, I hope that you like find yourself so rooted in love that it transforms your capacity to look out and see what's true and real. And then he talks about discerning what's best, what may, that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, when he talks about discerning what's best, 
He actually uses a phrase which is to hold up to the light. And it's specifically a phrase that has to do with testing the purity of wine. And so if you wanted to know if you have good wine on your hands, in the context where Paul is writing, you would hold up a glass of wine to the light and you would let the sunlight shine through it to see if it's quality or not. Now I say that because like when the text talks about being pure, I, I know that even language around purity has been used in really um, harmful and confusing and abusive ways. It's been used to shame uh, a lot of people. And like, please don't let this text do that to you now because I don't think that's the heartbeat behind it. Rather, I think this text is just reminding us that in so many ways, we are the curators of our own lives. And the, the possibility of God in our midst and the partnership that we've been called to and the thing that we are all in together, it ought to like lift our heads and raise our chests and remind us of the dignity that we are called to. That like being human is high stakes and the decisions that we make and the lives that we curate actually matter. And this text is, is like cheering for us, saying like, hey, like don't resign yourself to a lesser vision of your life. You've actually been called to this partnership in the gospel. You're a part of the revelation of God's availability for every kind of person calling us out of our corners into this new, strange, beloved, beautiful human community. That's what you're a part of. That's the story that you've been invited into. So like, don't give in to a life that's less than that. Don't resign yourself to the kinds of small compromises that lead us out of that, but rather like have a fresh awakening right now. Maybe even like let COVID be a chance to take an inventory and look around our lives and ask, are, are we curating the, the best lives that we could? Are we living the truest version of ourselves? Or is love beckoning us, calling us to a bit of a rearrangement? Maybe we need to cut some things out and add some things. If we realize the stakes and I think it's, it's love that's calling us toward that vision for ourselves. And so the text, like he, he says, I'm praying that during the season while we are far apart, I'm praying um, that rooted in love, you will think long and hard about whether you're living the life that you want to, whether this is really sort of who and what you want to be. And then this prayer, it ends with a move toward wonder when he talks about uh, that this will be to the glory and praise of God. As if to say that like, if, if we let this stir us up and we consider the possibility of God in our midst right now, even during COVID, like we, we might find our perspective shifting toward a kind of wonder um, which is built on the possibility of God. So uh, those couple of days were hard for me and I've had a few rounds of that and I'm sure I will have more. Um, I don't know that there's anything wrong with being depressed or having hard days. And that's not what this is about. We're not trying to ignore that or deny that. But I do think this, this um, opening sort of salvo, this greeting, this thanksgiving, this prayer, I think it's meant to crack us open, um, breathe some fresh air into our lungs and suggest the possibility that even while the scaffolding has been ripped away in our lives and we're struggling with the circumstance of this disease, we are being invited to remember um, the goodness and the truth and the beauty of God who has deemed our lives eligible for all of that. I've, um, I've started turning to a, uh, a little book of blessings that I read um, in the morning and other times during the day by a writer named John O'Donohue. Uh, John, uh, he, he died uh, not too long ago, so he wrote recently. And uh, he has this little book of blessings and in it he has one for the morning. And especially on the days when COVID feels like a heavy weight on my chest when the alarm goes off, 
the first move that I make is to grab that book and open to this blessing that speaks of the possibility of the day in front of us. And I wanted to share with you just a couple of stanzas from this blessing because I think they might be sort of uh, modern language for the same thing that's happening in this ancient text. Uh, O'Donohue invites us to say this. May my mind come alive today to the invisible geography that invites me to new frontiers, to break the dead shell of yesterdays, and to risk being disturbed and changed. May I have the courage today to live the life that I would love, to postpone my dream no longer, but to do at last what I came here for and waste my heart on fear no more. Uh, that actually, I think, um, is a pretty powerful retelling of the very prayer that Paul invites us into in Philippians at the beginning. So friends, uh, like I encourage you, um, like dig into this text, you can Google Philippians, or if you have a Bible at home, you can read it, uh, meditate on it. Um, if there's parts of this text that you don't resonate with or get excited about, that's totally okay. Uh, but perhaps uh, through a slow and sort of regular reading of this ancient word, maybe it will transmit into our lives today a fresh ability to see that there is gospel and good news all over our lives, uh, even while the scaffolding gets ripped away and COVID does what it's going to do. Uh, friends, I love you. Uh, we miss one another like crazy. Uh, we'll be together when the time is right. Uh, but in the meantime, grace and peace.